0: the law school of america an intentional tort is a category of torts that describes a civil wrong resulting from an intentional act on the part of the tortfeasor alleged wrongdoer the term negligence on the other hand pertains to a tort that simply results from the failure of the tortfeasor to take sufficient care in fulfilling a duty owed while strict liability torts refers to situations where a party is liable for injuries no matter what precautions were taken why intentional torts are different as a matter of public policy damages available for intentional torts tend to be broader and more generous than for negligent torts. To preserve individual well-being and overall social welfare, society generally wishes to deter its members from intentionally attacking each other. For example, in the United States, it is easier to get punitive damages, damages above and beyond compensatory damages, if one can prove that the tort was intentional. Similarly, in most Australian jurisdictions, intentional torts are not included in civil liability legislation, Thus, excluding the threshold of injury and damages payouts from various legislated limitations and caps. But it is harder to prove intentional torts because, as with many felony crimes, one must prove subjective elements involving the content of the defendant's mind, and defendants do not always express their harmful intent out loud or in writing. How to tell the difference? The key difference between intentional torts and negligent torts is that the plaintiff must prove the additional element that the defendant acted with the specific intent to perform, for example, acted with the mental state of intentionally performing, the act that was the proximate cause of the plaintiff's injuries, so-called malice. The concept of intention in the intentional torts does not require that defendants know that their acts will result in harm to the plaintiffs. Defendants must know only that their acts will result in certain consequences. Under doctrines such as transferred intent, the plaintiff need not always prove that the defendant acted with the intent to bring about the specific injury that actually occurred. Not every intentional action qualifies as an intentional tort. Suppose an investor holding more than half of a corporation's stock votes on changes the other stockholders find detrimental. If the other stockholders suffer damages as a result, this is not a tort, in the majority of jurisdictions, as the powerful investor had a right to vote whichever way he liked. Thus, the other stockholders cannot sue the aforementioned investor for damages. California is the notable exception to this rule, at least as to closely held corporations, if, however, John Doe physically attacks a passerby in the street, John is liable for these costs, as he is guilty of the tort of battery. Actual damages are not required for a prima facie case of battery. To successfully sue a defendant liable for an intentional tort, the plaintiff must prove that the defendant performed the action leading to the damages the plaintiff alleges, and that the defendant acted with purpose, or that he had knowledge with substantial certainty that an act would result in a tortious result. A famous case in the 1800s involved a hemophiliac child, Vosberg, who was kicked by another child, Putney, at school, resulting in severe disability of the leg. Although the kicker could not have reasonably foreseen that the kick would cause severe disability, he certainly could have foreseen that it would cause discomfort and was found liable. For example, a plaintiff attempting to prove that a defendant committed the intentional tort of battery must fulfill several elements intent, an act, cause, and harmful or offensive contact. Here, Intent means either purpose or knowledge with substantial certainty, as elucidated in Garrett v. Daily. Cause in an intentional tort need only be actual cause, that is, but for the defendant's action the tortious result would not have occurred. The plaintiff need not allege or prove proximate cause, which would indicate that the result of the defendant's actions was reasonably foreseeable. Common law intentional torts include the following. Middle.assault. Middle.battery. Middle.conversion. Middle.false imprisonment. Middle dot trespass to land. Middle. Trespass to chattels, personal property. Middle dot intentional infliction of emotional distress. An assault is the immediate intentional creation of apprehension of another without consent or privilege. A battery is the intentional harmful or offensive touching of another without consent or privilege. A conversion is the intentional exercise of dominion and control of another's property without their consent or privilege. False imprisonment is the intent to confine or bound someone without a means of egress. Trespass to land is the intentional interference with the land of another without consent or privilege. Trespass to chattel is the intentional interference with the personal property of another without consent or privilege. Property torts. Property torts are a specific class of intentional torts that arise when the right invaded is a property right rather than a personal right. Land is taken from someone, and they didn't know it was theirs because it was passed down, these include trespass to land, entering someone's land without permission, trespass to chattels, handling items owned by another without permission, and conversion, taking possession of someone else's property with the intent not to return it. Some older, and largely obsolete, property law concepts include detinue, Replevin, and Trover. Dignitary torts. Dignitary torts are the class of intentional tort, including slander and libel, that arise when the right invaded involves the reputation or privacy of the individual claiming injury. Insurability. Generally, intentional torts are uninsurable as a matter of public policy, meaning that tortfeasors guilty of such torts must pay damages out of their own pocket, if they have any money worth going after. Otherwise, professional criminals could obtain liability insurance to insure against the risk of being caught and prosecuted by the state, or sued in civil actions by their victims. Of course, this rule has not stopped criminals from attempting to litigate whether particular intentional torts are not really intentional, meaning that their liability insurers would have a duty to defend and indemnify them. The Supreme Court of California forcefully shot down one such attempt. Section 533 precludes coverage in this case because child molestation is always intentional, it is always wrongful, and it is always harmful. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. In common law, assault is the tort of acting intentionally, that is with either general or specific intent, causing the reasonable apprehension of an immediate harmful or offensive contact. Assault requires intent, it is considered an intentional tort, As opposed to a tort of negligence, actual ability to carry out the apprehended contact is not necessary. The conduct forbidden by this tort is an act that threatens violence. In criminal law, an assault is defined as an attempt to commit battery, requiring the specific intent to cause physical injury. Comparison to battery As distinguished from battery, assault does not need to involve the unwanted physical contact, but is the anticipation of such contact. It only needs intent to make or threaten contact and the resulting apprehension. At one point, the common law understanding of assault required more than words alone, it also required an overt act. This understanding has changed. While words alone cannot be construed as assault, words coinciding with actions or circumstances that would put a person in reasonable apprehension that a harm or offensive contact was likely to occur would. For example, an actor shouting I'm going to kill you while not moving but in complete shadow and with a knife in their hand could be interpreted as assault. Additionally, Fear is not required for an assault to occur, only anticipation of subsequent battery. A battery can occur without a preceding assault, such as if a person is struck in the back of the head. An assault can be an attempted battery. For example, if Henry points a gun at Thomas, he has committed an assault. It makes no difference whether the gun is loaded, but Henry will only commit a battery if he shoots the gun and hits Thomas. Elements Defined by Collins v. Wilcock as an act which causes another person to apprehend the infliction of immediate unlawful force on his person, assault protects the claimant who fears or apprehends a battery. Three elements must be established in order to establish tortious assault. First, there must be a positive act by the defendant. Second, the plaintiff had reasonable apprehension, the requisite state of mind, of immediate physical contact, and third, the defendant's act of interference was intentional. The defendant intended the resulting apprehension. An actionable assault requires that. The defendant intends that the claimant apprehends the application of unlawful force. The claimant reasonably apprehends the immediate and direct application of unlawful force. For which the defendant has no lawful justification or excuse. But intent for purposes of civil assault can be either general or specific. Specific intent means that when the defendant acted, he or she intended to cause apprehension of a harmful or unwanted contact general intent means that the defendant knew with substantial certainty that the action would put someone in apprehension of a harmful or unwanted contact. While the law varies by jurisdiction, contact is often defined as harmful if it objectively intends to injure, disfigure, impair, or cause pain. The act is deemed offensive if it would offend a reasonable person's sense of personal dignity. While imminence is judged objectively and varies widely on the facts, it generally suggests there is little to no opportunity for intervening acts. Lastly, The state of apprehension should be differentiated from the general state of fear, as apprehension requires only that the person be aware of the imminence of the harmful or offensive act. It is clear that all forms of trespass require an intentional act. An act of negligence will not suffice. There must be capacity and immediacy, simply threatening someone will not suffice. Whilst it has been speculated that words alone do not constitute assault, there must be an act, for example, in R. V. Mead, This was questioned in R. V. Ireland it was held that repeated silent telephone calls being made can constitute an assault. The proposition that a gesture may amount to an assault, but that words can never suffice, is unrealistic and indefensible. Quote from Lord Stein. Moreover, in Australia, the test for proving tortious assault is formulated as requiring proof of an intention to create in another person an apprehension of imminent harmful or offensive contact. Different types of assault. Conditional assault. This is whereby someone puts a condition on their assault. In the case of Reed v. Coker, where the claimant was threatened by a group of people who said, if you don't leave we will break your neck. The court held the defendants were liable and this constituted an assault. Moreover, Jervis C.J. stated, if anything short of actual striking will in law constitute an assault, the facts here clearly show that D. was guilty of an assault. Words negating an assault to a certain extent. Whilst it was held in Tuberville v. Savage, where the defendants said if it were not a size time, I would not take such language from you, whilst showing his sword, that words negating an assault is not an assault. This was because the intention as well as the act makes an assault and that the court agreed it was not, for the declaration of the plaintiff was, that he would not assault him. However, words negating an assault to a certain extent, then assault. If one intends to assault, so if he holds up his hand against another in a threatening manner and says nothing, it is an assault. For example, if person A held a knife to right up to person B's throat and said, because there are people around I won't cut you, this would be enough to warrant an assault. This was clarified in RV light where the defendant held a spade over his wife's head and said if that police officer wasn't outside, I would hurt you. This was held to warrant an assault, words can only negate an assault to a certain extent. If there is a weapon in hand then the words you say are unlikely to negate your assault. There is an obvious proximity in time and place. And a viable threat of real, imminent harm. Defenses Assault can be justified in situations where there is lawful justification or excuse for their actions, such as self defense or defense of a third party where the act was deemed reasonable and necessary. It can also be justified in the context of a sport where consent may be given or implied. An act of assault may also be privileged, meaning that the person who commits the assault had the legal right to do so and cannot be sued, as might occur if a police officer draws a firearm on a criminal suspect. Lastly, automatism, for example, sleepwalking, acts to negate the intent element as someone acting while asleep is not acting voluntarily. Damages. The claimant could be awarded nominal damage, if no harm came to them because this tort is actionable per se. Additionally, they could be entitled to compensatory damages whereby you try and put the claimant in the position they would have been in before the assault occurred, or the claimant could be entitled to an injunction whereby you try and stop repeated behavior occurring by setting conditions and finally, Aggravated damages may be awarded which are awarded if the tort is found to be an affront to someone's dignity. The Law School of America. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America